0: Welcome to The Happiness Playbook, a podcast where we explore the why and how of happiness. I'm your host, Neil Hooper, and I just wanted to remind you that life is a team sport, so let's play together. Okay, we've got a great show ahead of us today, especially for anyone interested in applying play theory to entrepreneurship and business, marketing and mental health we are going to cover a lot of topics with our guest ben wilson he was such a a joy to have and oh this is just a fun episode for me first off let's dive into our highlight reel where we share some of the good things happening in the world going along with the theme of entrepreneurship comes our story. When a young Texas woman realized how much her dad's food truck has been struggling in the pandemic, she made a single post on Twitter asking for help. It's been a hard year for food trucks. Uh, The whole restaurant industry has been hit, just slammed, but especially for Taqueria El Torito. Daily earnings for Elias Avila's humble Texas food truck have been as low as 60 40 and even $20 for a full day's work. When Elias mentioned to his daughter that revenue one Saturday was just $6 after putting in a 12-hour shift, she was stunned. The 21-year-old wrote on social media, I wouldn't normally do this, but my dad's taco truck business is struggling. He only sold $6 today. If you could retweet, I would appreciate you so much. Little did they know what was in store for Elias' food truck the next day. Giselle thought they might have a few new customers, maybe a handful. But by 8 a.m., they had a line of customers waiting for his fresh tortas cubanas. And some had been waiting since 6 a.m. that morning. Turns out her plea on social media had been retweeted over 2,000 times. During her Monday shift, Giselle estimated that more than a hundred customers came through for Mexican specialties. It's stories like this one that just keep me going. With the small businesses getting hammered right now, it's kind of acts like this that go such a long way. I'm just going to we don't normally do this, but I'm going to throw this question out to you as we bask in the positivity of this story. Are there any local businesses or do you know any friends or family that are trying to get a business off the ground that could use your support and maybe have some kind of tasty or, or fun product that they are selling? Maybe something to think about. Without further ado, let's get into it. It is my honor to introduce to you today Ben Wilson he's a very special guest and Ben and I go way back I've known Ben for years and he is a marketing and entrepreneur superhero and has been involved with several uh, startups very successful startups and has been at the helm of many successful marketing campaigns he really knows his stuff. He is the co founder and CMO of Comedy.io, which is a platform that connects comedians with brands to make ads funny again, as well as other content too. Former Fortune 500 consultant that worked with C suite executives in crafting strategic narratives and started his first business at 16 and fell in love with marketing as it allowed him to share a message with an audience that could influence them to do more with their lives. My man Ben is all about impact and generosity. And I have been on the receiving end of so much of that over the time that I've known him. And uh, I'm just so excited to welcome him to the show. So welcome to the show, Ben. I am so excited to be here. (sighs) This is going to be great. You know, it gets better though because I got to tell our listeners a little bit about uh, you know my connection with you and kind of how far back we go because we've done a lot together. (laughs) So a lot of
1: random things too. They're not like it's not linear growth.
0: Okay, so let's go through the list here. We were in college together. That's where we met. And first off, I got to say those who know me well know that I wrote and produced a rap song called "The Pineapple Rap." which you can download on iTunes. (laughs) I also made an app for the iPhone for iOS called the pine app, which is pretty cool and has the songs cutting instructions. Anyway, I'm obsessed with pineapple, but Ben and I cross pads early on in this obsession. And we actually started filming a pineapple rap music video together. Do you remember that? I,
1: Spaced entirely about that rap song.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it, we've done all kinds of things together. It never made it to uh, the masses, for better or for worse. But I, I just remember being <laughs> up on a mountain, holding a pineapple and and wrapping. And there were bystanders thinking, "What on earth are these two doing?"
1: You know, I have a memory of uh, when we were doing the float. We were on a float for a parade. And I, we were told to not get off the floats. We had to stay on the float and just simply wave, but we're a boring float. There was no way that we were just going to sit and (laughs) wave and, and smile at people cheesing at them. So I would run up to each, uh, corner where there was a, some sort of like radio station and they were announcing what these floats were going on. And I would just say, Hey, ask the crowd if they want to see a backflip. And the, <laughs> typically the response was, do you want to see a backflip? And it was a confused answer and they would say it into the mic. Um, eventually we'd start hyping them up and you're so good.
0: <laughs> but they so loved we would it, So you would go man. and do
1: these backflips and we'd say, who wants to see a backflip? <laughs> Your hands were very raw at the end of that, just doing backflips down oh, the most hot streets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. And uh, we we definitely spiced up the routine though. And. Here's something you got to know about Ben that I'll say up front is he is like the ultimate hype man. And anytime we've worked on something together, he's just always, he's done such a good job at making me look and feel good about myself, which is a play theory principle. Look outward. He's really good at that, but yeah, he just kind of embodies that he's always looking outward, trying to see where, where and how he can add value. And I love that about him. Um, talking about flips. So I have a background in gymnastics. I can't really do that anymore, which is kind of sad. But uh, thankfully, Ben also (laughs) filmed a parkour video of yours truly. And so I've been immortalized on the internet. Uh, doing flips and handstands and all kinds of crazy stuff. So if you want to see Neil Hooper doing a bunch of flips, then uh, you can go search it online, Neil Hooper Parkour. You'll see some uh, very entertaining stuff. But you remember that? That was a blast. You know,
1: what's funny is I was trying to resurrect a clothing company that had started uh, as a kid and I was calling it a youtube channel called the ample sample so i was gonna just take the best talents that i could possibly find in like skateboarding parkour that's as far as i got actually <laughs> and <laughs> at the end of each video i would include some sort of overhyped uh, enthusiastic spiel about how amazing this channel was gonna be but at the end of the day i filmed maybe four or five videos before i thought okay i'm not necessarily a videographer and I also feel like this isn't me. Uh, so if you do go watch that video, you will see me at a level like 20 out of 10, and not in a good way. <laughs> so it was kind of funny to, <laughs> to do that video with you. And then I wish I could go back and edit out the last parts, mostly because I look at it and I'm a slightly embarrassed. There's not too many times that I've embarrassed of my past, but those are one of them, it is one of some of those videos on the ample sample.
0: But and you see, here's the great thing though. We're already getting into the play theory principles because that is another thing that you are so good at is letting go and playing. And I think that is how the success you've experienced, the opportunities you've had, all stem back to your ability and your natural tendency to just let go of what, you know, let go of what others might be thinking and to just go for it. And you're so good at that, you know? So yeah, that video, you might cringe a little bit in hindsight, (laughs) but you know what you went for it. And that's like, that's like a part of your brand is uh, Ben just goes for it and makes things happen, which I love. So way to go. We've had a lot of fun over the past uh, past eight plus years. We've known each other now and uh, just been so excited and happy to to call you friend uh, at times, business partner at times, uh, you know, partner in crime. But, uh, I just want to start by asking what is your favorite play theory principle and why,
1: you know, building off of what we talked about to let go and play. I do enjoy, uh, before we were talking uh, a recording, we were talking about the, you're asking questions, like what kind of questions could come up in this podcast And my brain was initially just like shutting it out. It was like, you know, don't worry about those questions yet. Don't think about what's happening at that moment. Just be present, which I know is another play theory principle, but it really leads into at this moment, I'm trying to just let go of any, any ideas where this could, where this podcast could go and be in this moment and thinking, how can I make this more playful? How can I enjoy my time? which is so funny, like those two principles lead back and forth. So it's hard to necessarily say it's just let go and play but be present and let go and play go so well together because if you can't one let go and play you're definitely not going to be present and if you're not present you can't let go as well because you're holding on to something in the future um, the reason why i bring that up is it wasn't always there That wasn't a principle that i just somehow had in my life it was actually a lot of practice and what happened is i'd started a podcast and a business back in 2016 and I was calling my shot. I was thinking that this new business that I'd started was going to make a million dollars. And I felt this pressure to live up to what I had called like Babe Ruth calling his shot, where the ball is going to go. And as time went on and i kept recording more podcasts and felt accountable to this goal that i had set i felt like i wasn't living in the moment i wasn't able to let go of what i had set out to do and i definitely wasn't playing so my anxiety and depression started taking a real big toll on me eventually the time came of when i said i was going to make the million dollars And I wasn't even close. I wasn't even in the ballpark. I wasn't even in the parking lot. I mean, I don't even know if I was in the same city. I was so far off from that goal. And my depression really took a massive toll on me. I just didn't want to get out of bed. I was in my in-law's basement. I kept the lights off. I felt like I wasn't even allowed to turn the lights on, like I was some sort of vampire that would just melt if that were to happen. And so over time, it felt like I... First part is I, I needed to let go of that stipulation. I needed to let go of thinking I was something else, as well as you have to enjoy playtime in your life. If you I was working so hard, I was working 16 hours a day, and there was definitely no playing in there. And what happened is over time it you if you think of it like I like to think of it like garbage. If you don't take out the garbage, it starts to rot and smell and becomes profusely incredible to, or like you can't be around it. You, it's hard. Mm-hmm. That, that smell lingers and it detracts from everything else that's happening when that smells going on. The same thing happens is when you don't let go of something and you don't play, that garbage inside of you starts to really rot and it can take you down from the inside. So it was a principle that over time if I had to develop and practice and I write it down, actually. I write those principles down often, which I don't think I've ever told you. I use them, I teach them, and I uh, share with them as much as possible because they're not just about playing. It's about, there's something connected to happiness that's involved with those principles.
0: And they're just, they're principles of truth, right? All we've done with play theory is package them into a very easy to understand and consumable way. But I love that you point that out because people hear play theory and they get this idea that it's for kids or it's, you know, playful, immature, but that's not it. And if we all go back to our childhood, when we were all really good at playing, guess what? You know, we were really happy we were being present. We were letting go and playing as kids. We didn't care what people thought of us as we pretended to be a, a knight slaying a dragon, right? It's We were accepting and building on the offers of all those around us, the kids we were playing with, and, um, and then really looking outward, right? Kids are so good at forgiving and not holding grudges and, and just looking outward. And as kids, we were so good at that. But over time, We start to, I love your metaphor here with the trash, right? We don't even realize sometimes that the trash is building up, but it starts to stink. And if we hang on to it, it can really detract from our progress, our development, and our overall happiness, right? And you reminded me of a quote. Um, You know, because sometimes we think of trash we got to let go of. There might be some things we hang on to that you wouldn't consider trash, but they are a hindrance. Here's a really weird reference for you. (laughs) So in in the Labyrinth, there's a character, I think it's near the end. They're just a pack rat and they just have all this stuff and they've just piled it on and piled it on until they just have all this stuff and they can't even hardly move. Right. I don't know if you've... (laughs) I've never so seen it. I'm, could...
1: I'm visualizing it for sure.
0: Okay, well, do yourself a favor on a on a night you don't care about having really weird dreams, and go watch the labyrinth. And used
1: to say I don't already have weird dreams.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you want weirder <laughs> dreams, maybe. But um, but this person, they, they pack. They're just a total pack rat and hanging on to everything. And if we do that, and we're not careful, over time, we really start to load ourselves up, and then we can't progress, right? And the quote that you made me think of um, is, your success has as much to do with unlearning principles of mediocrity as it does with learning principles of greatness. You have to make room for the good stuff. And if you're hanging on to everything, and, and, and in your experience, you know, this depression, anxiety, but what caused that were all of these expectations, right? That you put on yourself. And I think we do that a lot if we're not careful. We kind of have these self-imposed expectations or maybe socially compliant expectations um that, that are put on us by others. And if we're not careful, that can result in a lot of stuff. So sometimes you just gotta wipe the whiteboard clean and start over and let go. So I, I love that you you brought that in. What you've
1: just said and, and letting go of principles that you've learned in the past, I think I think that's such a key to all parts of our lives is that as children, we get embedded with beliefs of our parents. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but there are times like our parents are human beings. They're just people. And sometimes yeah. their own beliefs can pass on to us. And so we think that life is, that's the way that it is. It really isn't until later in life that you start to realize you have to decide for yourself what you're going to believe, how you're going to live your life and then build on those principles it's yourself. And it's so funny how it just my mind has started going after you talked about that quote. You have to figure out who you are and the only way to figure out who you are is to let go of who you aren't. There's a quote by a guy by the name of Tom Billiu who sold quest Bars. He created a company called Quest and sold it for a billion dollars. He's got a show called Impact Theory. And he said, along his way of learning how to be an entrepreneur and starting a business and growing his, his employee base over 3,000 people, he said, failure is the most data rich information source you could possibly have. The only way you're going to do that is by simply going out and doing work. And part of that is that you, you can't just stay still. You can't stand and think that you're going to think your way out of your problems. You actually have to go out and try. And it's better to run a thousand miles in the wrong direction because you're at least moving and you're failing along the way, but those are just learning lessons. And so part of that comes to realizing that you can play along the way. And that's also going to be part of learning.
0: Watch out. Ben's dropping bombs of awesomeness on us. <laughs> that is so good. And I love everything you said. We, we, in our um, standalone let go and play episode that we had a few weeks ago, we actually address exactly what you're saying, because if we are to change our perspective and view that as feedback instead of you know, incompetence, inherent incapability of performing, that's when you really start to move the needle. You know, we also talk about this idea of you cannot steer a parked car. And it's just like you're saying, if you're running in the wrong direction, you're going to get feedback. You're going to get that. That's movement. That's progress. So I love everything you said and wholeheartedly support your message there. Awesome.
1: And the best part of all, no one actually cares that much about your successes or your failures as much as you think they do. It's the most freeing feeling to have when I was living in New York, I was, I talked to a lot of stand-up comedians and there was some that would just never go on stage. And then they would, you would hear them say, Oh, well, I, if I was on stage right now, I'd be killing it. I'd be crushing. It, I'd be making this audience laugh so much, but they would never get on stage. So these are the kinds of people that are imagining that they could do better than the person who's already doing it. It's the people that you do respect and those people aren't judging you. In fact, they've been through it themselves and enough so that they respect you for trying more than what the result is.
0: One of the best things you can let go of is that fear of what others will think of you. And once you are able to do that, and it's not easy, I'll tell you as someone who really struggles with this, putting yourself out there is so scary deep down. But once you can let go of that fear of what others think of you, that is when the magic happens. Yeah, it's kind of like
1: breakfast, right? Or showering. Like it's not something, like you can't eat breakfast once and be like, wow, sweet. I'm good for life. You have <laughs> to right. breakfast every day. You got to shower daily. I mean, these are things, it doesn't just suddenly go away, but it is a, it's a creative muscle that you can work on. And over time it develops. And so you can rely on it a lot more. It doesn't mean that, let's say if you do work out and you do pull-ups, it doesn't mean the pull-ups necessarily are suddenly easy. They become easier or you can do more pull-ups over time but eventually you're still doing pull-ups and that's still that muscle is being repeated again and again through that exercise
0: happiness is a skill and it is a muscle that we need to get stronger but it you have to practice in order for that to happen let's talk for a minute you have an extensive background in marketing specifically And entrepreneurship. And so I wanna explore those topics a little more. I'm curious to know how have you seen play theory benefit the marketing process?
1: So, the principles behind marketing and play theory, there's such an overlap where you're talking to humans and how to better humans. Uh, So, in marketing, the big goal is to get someone to improve their life by buying a product. But if you look at it on its foundational point is that you're a human talking to another human, getting them to increase or change or better their life. So with that play theory and looking outward, that's the the one principle that I'm looking at here is really connected to marketing is that you're validating how someone else is feeling and then asking them what do they need in order to better their life. And ultimately that's how you start to build marketing campaigns around what is it that people need and how can I help them get it?
0: it's so important as a brand that you are constantly looking outward and thinking of your target audience. And the second you look inward, the second you stop looking outward and trying to serve your target audience's needs and desires, you're headed for mediocrity. I mean, that's just the the outcome.
1: It reminds me of the book, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, where he talks about how your brand should be the guide and the customer is the hero of the story. And in marketing, what you're really doing is you're helping someone become the hero in their own story. And as soon as you position yourself as, a, as the hero in the customer's life, they discount you. They, get, they don't want anything to do with you. And it's a, actually a very subconscious thing. Most brands don't realize that that's what they're doing. So in each marketing principle, Miller talks about how you're helping someone overcome the challenges that they're facing and how your brand can be guiding them towards the life that they want to live. And that's where I think a lot of brands do forget it. And entrepreneurs come out thinking that they're going to be the hero of the story, but at the end of the day, it's really about empathy and understanding who your customer is and how your brand can position the customer. As the hero of their own story. I mean, no one wants to watch a, a movie, and it's just a hero being doing heroic things. It's if you think about the movie Hercules, the Disney action film, he's got an issue inside. He wants to be great, and in order to be great, he wants to be a god. And he goes through this training of being uh, like heroic training, and so he goes and does different heroic acts. And at the end of the film he ends up giving his life. He, the, his internal character has changed. He doesn't want to just be the hero. He actually, there was something greater and it was this love for Meg. And a lot of times in our own heroic journey, we have issues that we're trying to overcome for our own benefit, But along the way we alter that, that goal and what we were seeking for initially and that's where true happiness comes from is when we put aside our outward goals of wanting to be great ourselves and we realize that if we help enough people get what they want we'll ultimately get what we want so that's actually a quote from zig ziglar and it's something that as a business owner you are constantly thinking how can i get someone what they want to improve their life and that just shifting that mindset is where i saw a big difference in my own business And then as a consultant, I saw a huge shift in these Fortune 500 companies and what they were doing for their employees and helping their employees get what they needed as well.
0: If I had like 2,000 other people, they'd slowly join in and erupt in applause. That was awesome. Let's dive a little deeper into this marketing perspective because I know you're really trying to tap into a really unique part of the marketing world and infusing comedy into that process. And we've seen, I think we've all seen memorable ads and I would bet 90% of the time it's because they were hilarious or they infused humor into the marketing. And I love what you're doing um, with comedy.io. So let's talk a little bit about how let go and play specifically now benefits that marketing process, and and in particular, what you're trying to do at comedy.io.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the world that we currently live in is very dismal and sad at the current moment. We are just <laughs> bombarded by the news and how so many things are trying to kill us and destroy us and divide us. And ultimately, there's still advertising. There's still brands that are trying to get their product out there, and they're playing into a lot of this disaster they are tuning into how people are sad and need to be comforted. But ultimately, as humans, we just want to laugh. We want to smile and, and, and forget about some of these troubles. In fact, that's how the brain works. If you felt like this year has gone by extremely quickly, your brain is blocking out a lot of those emotional, dismal times. It's feeling like you're speeding through this year because it doesn't want to remember half the things that have happened. With comedy, what we want to do is make ads funny again. We want to bring a level of humor to advertising and content and helping brands to be more humanistic where they can be authentic and and help consumers realize that there's humans that are just working in this organization that want to help better their lives as well. And so we've connected up. We've got over 300 comedians in our database. And what we do is we help brands reach out of their comfort zone and relate to consumers in a way that can make them laugh. And what's so great about humor is it really is just relatability. It's understanding what someone else is going through and being able to share in that same, uh, I guess, the issues around it, right? The difference between humor and drama is essentially just one is happening to you, the other is happening to someone else. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's a great definition. And we've
1: got uh, how it all started is last year I was working with a company called Night Caddy. It's actually a friend of mine who started the company and it's a little product that slides in under your bed and it's for people who live in small spaces. And I was living in New York, so it was a perfect opportunity. We had a 300 square foot apartment paying way too much for it on the Upper East Side. And I wanted to make a little video for him. So I wrote a script and then hired a comedian friend of mine, Jordan Macon. He is so funny. And we put together this little script of me breaking up with my nightstand. And it was a four-minute video. I, it was like self-directing it. I was watching the clips, seeing what to do better, what to do different, and sending him the dailies, what the little clips that I was sending him. And eventually this little video came together in about 10 days. And we released it December 1st. By December 30th, they had sold over, it was like $178,000 worth of this product. And it was so eye-opening of if me, a chimp, could make actually a video that made people laugh or at least just keep them on the hook long enough to see this product, then what could a real comedian do? What could a team of comedians writing the script do? And what if there was an actual budget behind it to pick the videos or the content? Um, I so I started going to founders meetings and I found this person who had been studying humor since 2013. He's got this background in uh comes from Cornell as an MBA grad who is so dialed in on how well humor works in marketing. So we formed a company called comedy.io with a K, uh kind of like the Kardashians. Everything's gotta be slightly different. And we started working with brands and helping them punch up their content. Part of that was realizing that there was nothing that had been done before on this level. There were, uh, I guess, marketplaces of comedians that have existed in the past. And then there's agencies. I mean, some great ones like Harmon brothers and chamber media who've put out really good content, but how do you bring it down for smaller brands or how do you have it where companies can tap into like their own writer's room? Like, any sitcom out there has just this team of writers who are constantly thinking of good bits and and how to make an audience laugh. So we wanted to put together a way for any brand to come in and make their own content funny. Because in today's world, it's not just the big companies like Geico or Progressive that can put out humor. We wanted to open it up to where advertising Is on a small level. If you think about like Facebook ads, anyone can hop in and make a Facebook ad. But with being bombarded by so much content these days, it's hard to get your brand to stand out. And it's also hard to get a consumer to really click. And I'm a big believer as an entrepreneur that business can really save a person's life. It's not just about money, it's about reaching them and it costs money to reach people. It, it takes a, a big effort and it requires a team. So if you could do it and then help connect to people that didn't know your product is, existed and better their life, we thought humor would be the best way to do it. So we've just been pushing on that for the last couple of months and it's turning out well. We're getting a lot of good feedback, a lot of great energy. Um, my favorite part about the whole thing though is just realizing that Although it's never been done before, it requires letting that go and feeling like um, it's a scary road and that there's no path that's been blazed before you to, to know that you're what you're doing is going to work out. So part of it is you have to play in that because if you don't, you're going to really just wake up with anxiety every single day that it, your business isn't going to work out. Just a good example, I made a TikTok video for the first time yesterday and I had so much fun doing it. It's got no views, it's got zero shares, no comments, but it doesn't matter. I had a great 45 minutes putting it together and I can see how just practicing that could help me writing better content for the web or finding better comedians for more projects. So a lot of of different pieces moving at the same
0: time there. In marketing, especially, I feel like everyone is just trying to copy what's what's working well or what's working best. It seems like everyone's got a swipe file or you know a copy and paste uh, text thing. You know, we're all just so obsessed with what's working. Okay, everyone do that. But if you can let go of that and really leave that comfort zone like you said. And I love what you're doing here because it is uh, uncharted territory. I mean, people have done it before, but you've you're trying to crack the code on the formula and to make it accessible to a lot of other people. and that's awesome. but you have to let go and play in order to do that. especially in the advertising world, there's just such a a tried and true, you know quote unquote tried and true, Method to going about that whole process and to kind of disrupt that and take a different approach. It definitely requires letting go of, of everything that's been done in the past to really blaze that trail. So I love what you're doing there.
1: There's rules in marketing and advertising that you have to follow and adhere to that just work. If you don't, your campaigns can flop and it, it gets too artistic or just too out there that people just can't grasp onto it. But once you know those rules, you bend them. What
0: are some of those rules?
1: One of the rules is one, in reaching an audience, you do need to understand who they are the biggest thing is understanding exactly who your target customer is right if you don't whatever ad you go out and create is just communicating with the wrong person it's kind of like if you hopped on a phone call and you didn't know who you were talking to on the other end and you just started selling them something you don't know if they need your product you have no idea if they've got relation to a, a need behind that and so the first part is you do need to understand your audience but part of it. Uh, the, the rule breaking here or the bending of the rules is that if you do understand your audience, you can go a little bit deeper. So with, let's say like the night caddy ad is I understood that people would like some sort of alternative to a nightstand if they lived in a smaller space. Now, if you live in a big space, you probably don't want a little shelf that slides under your mattress. You probably do want a full size nightstand. So one was, dissecting the difference between someone who has a space and someone who doesn't. But then going deeper into the person who doesn't have that space, what are the other issues that are involved? So as a person who was living in in New York at the time, we had this tiny little oven. I mean, this thing looked like an easy bake (laughs) oven. I'm pretty sure it was just with stainless steel. And it was hard to put anything in there. You you couldn't fit a full-size pyrex bowl or tray or any pan in there everything had to go be oh, custom uh, that they sold luckily in new york for those ty- kinds of small ovens and i thought wouldn't it be great if it i took like a full-size pizza and i folded it up and then i put that in the oven that's understanding who your target customer is and understanding that they live in a small space but then going a level deeper and bending those rules of saying how could i relate To what a small space is like so that although this pizza in the oven has got nothing to do with a nightstand, it's the very first image of this video and it hooks people in because they can relate to, Hey, I also have a small oven. Well, most likely then you're also going to not have the space for a nightstand. And that's where we're able to introduce the night caddy. So it was understanding the rules of knowing who your target consumer is, but then relating to them on a very different level.
0: That's a perfect example, again, of looking outward, right? and And making sure you're thinking about the customer and and your target audience, because, like you said, if you don't if you skip that step, then you're just shouting into the void, and uh, you're you're not going to get any traction that way. So you have started and been involved with so many businesses and startups, and you've kind of lived in that world for a while now. And entrepreneurship can be very lonely. And there's many who are on that journey who experience the struggles with mental health. I want to know how you have leveraged play theory to address mental health.
1: Just to start off, I had to change my morning routine and that or just at least developing a morning routine. I didn't actually have one. I couldn't change anything. Uh, I had to start from the ground up. Um, part of that required, first of all, letting go and, and even without play, just letting go that I didn't have a life that I wanted to be living. Um, and I needed to do something that allowed me just a freedom of clear thoughts. So that way I could allow myself to be present. So one thing that is so interesting in entrepreneurship is that you, most people think that it's so glam. It's like, it seems like it's everyone wants to do it until you go out and try it, and you realize you're basically just in your own office, your own room or in a coffee shop and you're by yourself and no one can understand or relate to what you're going through. It's not like you're watching a basketball game and you're both watching the same thing at the same time. You're going through thoughts and emotions and feelings that really only you are going through. And it's hard to, to share that with anyone. Um, So what it requires is to be present. You have to be present in the moment and understand that you're going to be going through these feelings, but you're not your own feelings. You're not your own thoughts that you can get past. You can move past a lot of those moments. I read a book called Tools of Titans. Inside of it, it's essentially just the highlights of all these podcasts from Tim Ferriss. And there's a concept that I can't remember exactly who it was, but talks about uh, going to tea with Mara, essentially... It's a uh, Mara is not an actual person. It's your thought. And you have to take her out to tea. You have to enjoy what that moment is. You have to talk it through. You have to be in that moment and not brush it aside. You have to accept what's happening at that time. Um, what I do in that case is I actually write down my thoughts every day for seven minutes. I just set a timer and I, whatever I'm feeling in that moment, it could be happiness, it could be anxiety. It's something that I'm going through, and I write just that thing, and so I call that that's my taking Mara out to tea. I'm having this conversation with myself as two different people, as almost like I'm a high performance coach for myself, and writing out what I want to have happen or what I'm experiencing or feeling at that time, and then at that time, I, I you can let it go. It's a, it's a fascinating thing that seven minutes could do in your day. There's other ways of doing it as well, like meditation. I do for at least 10 minutes a day. Um, I like reading for at least 30 minutes a day to get new information in. Um, So being an entrepreneur for this amount of time, we're coming up on 15 years. So almost half my life, I've started different businesses or been involved in different businesses. And it's only until the last probably 18 months that a lot of these pieces started falling in place and you don't have something figured out the first time you start a business and so you realize hey you know what I need accounting because when taxes come along I have no idea what I'm doing and I think I'm overpaying or, or whatever part of play theory is accepting and building that leads into entrepreneurship Is you accept what's just happened and instead of putting it aside you build upon it. And it's kind of like building a brick every, or like a wall. And every day you lay down your brick as best as you can. And you don't worry about the tomorrow's brick. You don't worry about the day before's brick. You're just focusing on how do I make this brick? How do I lay this down the best that I possibly can? And you have to accept that. You can't worry about how great and magnificent this wall is going to be in the very end. It's good to have that vision when you first start your business. But what it comes down to is just daily
0: bricklaying. That is such a powerful metaphor because it kind of encompasses all of the principles. And, you know, anyone who goes into business or starts a business or joins a business is hoping to build or create something. That's what I love about entrepreneurship is it is the essence of creation and and building, right? And so this idea, this metaphor of laying one brick at a time you have to be present for that. Sometimes you have to change the the blueprints a bit, right? You have to let go of what you thought. You have to pivot, right? Maybe you see your business model wasn't as sound as you might have thought. And so you pivot a different direction that allows you to continue growing and creating. And then, you, you know, you have to accept and build on those uh, shifts. But then ultimately, I think at the end of your life, if you haven't created or built something with the intent to serve or benefit others, then you will be very disappointed or or very unfulfilled. And so that look outward piece absolutely plays a part in the entrepreneurship uh, journey. what a what a beautiful note to end on with that metaphor and and those thought nuggets you are awesome ben thank you for sharing thanks for
1: having me on i really appreciate this it has been a lot of fun thinking through the different rules of play theory and and really how they
0: intertwine very deeply in life we went places i didn't anticipate but i'm so glad we did i do have one last question for you each week we have a pro tip that we share with our listeners on how they can immediately apply or start practicing a principle of play theory. And I'm curious what pro tip you have for our listeners today.
1: As an entrepreneur, you have so many tangents that you're constantly worried about. There's uh, fires that you're putting out, there's employees that might not be happy, or there's customers that you have to address to, and then you have to think how to grow it, how to make more money. So there's lots of feelings. So meditation's one thing that really, um, just 10 minutes a day of being still and practicing how to let go of thoughts and how to be more present. So that's my my last pro tip, is doing having a morning routine and figuring out how to practice being present and how to let go of whatever is bringing you down.
0: Ben, this has been an amazing conversation. I am so excited to release all of this amazingness and all of these nuggets of goodness. Thank you so much for sharing. Very much looking forward to staying in touch and seeing where you take things to the next level. Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure, Neil. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for joining me on the Happiness Playbook today. Wasn't that great? Let's remember this week to be present, let go and play, accept and build, and look outward. And if you're feeling entrepreneurial, maybe try doing something about that project that's been in the back of your head now for months. And as always, remember that life is a team sport. Catch you next week.